Hi, I'm Ariel. And I'm Twinny. And you're listening to Breaking Through the Podcast. Welcome back to Breaking Through the Podcast today's guest i am so excited i cannot tell you she's an incredibly inspiring woman not only is she an insanely accomplished astrologer she is also a truly talented poet and public speaker she's released multiple books of her poetry spoken at several tedx events founded an extraordinary spiritual retreat and created her own podcast just to name a few of her accomplishments please welcome heidi rose robbins You've done such impactful work as a poet, speaker, and astrologer, and it's really hard to choose where to begin. It might be easiest to start by asking, what came first for you? Ah. <laughs> We're just going to put you right on the spot. Right? <laughs> Jump right in. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting question, actually. I don't think I've been asked it in quite that way. And um, I will say, I think actually the poetry came first. When I was just a little kid, I loved writing poems. And I remember being with my best friend when we were like 11 years old and coming home from school and both like writing poems and reading them to each other. And I remember at the time I thought, oh my God, she's so much better than I am. I'm such a wreck. And how will I ever be this, you know, this good? Cause she was just, she's a brilliant writer and still is to this day. Um, but I remember just the poetic word definitely spoke to me from the get-go and my dad always encouraged that. And then, um, and then acting was always a part, like performance was always a part of my life for many, many years. And actually for the first, let's just say 25 years of my life, I was really focused on performance and theater. And, um, and then I, I sort of got out of graduate school and I said to myself, huh, I don't know that I ever want to act. Like I, I, I like, I think I went to graduate school to actually learn about myself and grow in confidence and create creative ensemble and, you know, I just felt like I was there for a very different reason. And then if you just do a parallel track, I guess I grew up in a family where um, my dad is an astrologer. So from the get-go, I had another language in my life, right? And so always they've been there's been this blend of these energies of performance and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And um, my life has always been a dance of those from the get-go, I guess. <laughs> I love that. I love how you talk about your journey because very early on, like the way that I expressed myself as a child, I think most like kind of songwriters do anyway, is by poetry. You know, just you stick words together and hum a little tune and think it was like brilliant, but it was really not good at all. But uh, <laughs> speaking of poetry, your first book, This Beckoning Ceaseless Beauty, was published in 2013. Like, what was, I'm interested to know, like, what was the process like writing for that book? And what were some of the biggest, like, breakthrough moments leading up to that for you for the release? Well, I'm, you know what's hilarious? I'm, I'm, you're gonna learn a little astrology in this. I'm an Aries, right? So I, I reached this moment where I was like, I've been writing poetry for, for 10 years. I should just 
I, I need to publish a book. You know, I was just like, I want to get my stuff together. So I never really sort of set out to write a book. I, I was like, it's time and I'm not going to send it off to publishers. I'm just going to publish this thing myself because I want to get it out in the world and I want it to use it as a calling card. And I want the people that love my poetry to have it under, you know, one cover. So really what happened is I was working with an amazing collaborator, my friend Y.O. Lee, and I just, and she's great at like putting things together. She's great at figuring things out. And I said, I want to publish a book. <laughs> I mean, I want to get a book out there. I want to put my stuff together. So I collected all my poetry. I went through and edited it again. She showed me the first book cover that she came up with and I fell in love with it. I was like, oh my God, I love this. How do you know me so well? Because I had just met her like six months before. Mm. And we sort of just put it together. And so I was never setting out to write a book. I sort of collected the book. But I will say it was a gorgeous experience. And um, when I got to launch the book and invite all my community, it was such a celebration of the work that I'd been doing for 10 years, you know? So Amazing. I didn't have the typical stumbling things along the way, like, oh, this book is so hard to write, or I, I got to put this together because it was already sort of put together. I just had to like press the button and go, let's get it out there. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And that must have been quite a joyous experience, actually. And like when you say like you celebrated it because you probably wouldn't have gone through like all the usual oh, I need to get a publishing, you know, I need to get this published and the drama of all that. I love that. That's so great for the listener too, because it's like, that's what depletes the process and the joy in creation when you're trying so hard to make a specific thing happen for a body of work. And then it just crushes it like that. If I could go back and tell my younger self anything in the beginning of my songwriting journey, it would be like, stop trying to get a publishing deal. It's not going to, it's not going to change your life. You're living it right now. You know, I, I find your work really powerful and really emotional. And when I watched your TEDx performance of I Know a Woman, the line that hit me the most was, I know a woman who is climbing Kilimanjaro 19,000 feet of unstoppable courage, but does not fully know her own majestic light. It made me emotional because it's just such a common thread for people, but especially women. It's so hard for us to acknowledge our abilities and worth and light. You said that you wrote the piece specifically for the event. Was it a long process to find the right words? That was such a joyous experience because, yes, that was the second time I'd been invited to speak at the um, TEDx event in Los Angeles. And they said, hey, would you create something for the event? And I said, yeah, I will. And, you know, they wanted me to open the event. And so I was I was working with a writing group at the time, my writing teacher, Bruce Gelfand at the time. Um, and I had this little group that was just amazing. And I wrote this poem and I was so like, I was so proud of it. And I was like, this is a great poem. And I read it to them and they were like, yeah, I, I like it sort of right at the very end, right? <laughs> and it was sort of right at the very end that I had started this refrain of I know a woman. And before that, I went into this whole other thing that wasn't right. And it was so painful to hear it in the moment. And I was like, oh, oh, I was just so like, you know, <laughs> pierced that my my writing people were telling me that they didn't like it, whatever, you know. But then one woman said, but Heidi, this line and this refrain, like, go for it. And so the next week, I worked on it. And I suddenly, I you know, I lead Radiant Life Retreats with women for 10 years now. And I started to invoke all the women that I've worked with over these many, many years. And I started to think about them and I started to think about their journeys. 
And I started to just do tributes to them. Mm. And, and, you know, some of them were amalgamations, some of them were com- combinations, but you know, the one who climbed Kilimanjaro was not, she's an incredible woman who's just so fierce and strong, but also, you know, in the retreats was very shy and very careful and, you know, cautious about taking up space. Right. So in any case, the, the poem, um, came about because there were people that were courageous enough to tell me that the first draft kind of sucked. And then there were people that (laughs) really that inspired me deeply to think about how much I wanted to celebrate their lives, you know? So it became, I was just so happy the way that it, that it, that it turned and evolved. It's so powerful. Like, and I had the same reaction. I really like, it really did move me because it reminded me, my mom basically brought three kids up under the age of three. She's a single mom. She's like a superhero. And like, it kind of embodied like everything that she was and every woman in my life. And it's so funny, me and there's a reason me and Ariel are best friends because <laughs> I text her and I was like, did you hear that line? I mean, like, didn't that just like do something to you? So she's like, yeah. I was like, it wrecked me because that's me. I can't celebrate myself. And <laughs> it's so funny to me because it's so powerful. It like, it really should be on like a Nike advert or something mm-hmm. like that. That's how powerful, honestly. Mm-hmm. But speaking of like another TEDx event, you shared Revolutionary in Disguise. Like, tell me about that. Like, it was a series of several poems. Was that process very different for you? Like, that whole experience, was it easier to celebrate this one or? That one was more terrifying. <laughs> 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 I was like, first of all, I love to offer my poetry, but I don't always love to perform it memorized. I can't even tell you why. I just like somehow I trip myself up. And so I was like, well, it's TEDx, you know, you got to do it like the performance, you know. And I mean, I anyway, so I was I was slightly terrified. I was also I will just tell you about the day itself. You know, I was I was performing at something like five in the afternoon or four thirty in the afternoon, and I had to be there from seven thirty in the morning. So I was like pacing in oh. the parking lot, trying to watch other people. You know, it was hilarious. But when I when I walked out, something like the room, everybody was tired. It was the end of the day, but I was like, "You are not going to sleep through this, baby." Yes. <laughs> I was like, "We are going to wake up together." Um, So I will say what was cool about those poems is that maybe you could feel um, from the first book of poetry, This Beckoning Ceaseless Beauty, there's a change to um, wild compassion and something more of the spoken word started to come through at at a moment when I just kind of cracked open and um, actually astrologically Uranus was sitting right on my sun, which only happens once in your lifetime and something like something just came through in a new way. And I just let myself speak and share in a new way. And um, so those poems all came out of that. And it was so liberating and so delicious for me to give myself permission to be a little little wilder with the language. I love that. And I like that you just spoke a little bit about astrology marrying with that moment, because I actually really want to talk about your evolution with astrology, stepping into your gift and love for it. And how long did it take you to grow to where you are with it now? Such a good question. 
you know, I, I do feel like I am sort of bilingual in the sense, you know, that yeah. I did grow up with my dad speaking like, you know, speaking astrology to me from the get go. And really, as I've often said, I learned it with my ABCs. So I sang about the planets and I sang about the Zodiac, you know, from the time I was three. So it was always with me. And then when I was about 19 years old, my dad held a conference and, um, it was the first conference of now, I think there've been 35 of them and they were sort of more metaphysical, astrological, cosmological conferences. And I went when I was 19 years old and I was like, I love astrology. Like suddenly I had this awakening that what your parents have been doing all along, you're like, oh, I actually really like that thing, you know, <laughs> you ignore it up until then somehow. Um, and so I started to study it at that point. And shortly after I started to study it, uh, I started to study with other 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 teachers. I studied more deeply with my father. And I would say that by the time I got to my mid to late 20s, I was really committing myself to being an astrologer um, mm. and committing myself to starting to see clients and and practicing. And so it's been, you know, it's been a good chunk of time since then that I've been a uh, this has been my main deal, being an astrologer in the world and teaching astrology. How amazing that you could connect with your dad, though, with that, something that you have in common. Like, I literally am not thinking common with my dad, but it's just like, I love that. I'm so massively into astrology, but I'm such a novice about it. Like, I just feel like we're all, you know, it gives me, it kind of makes me feel comforted when I'm like overwhelmed, just like looking at the stars and going, I'm just like a tiny grain of sand and there's so much more in this universe and it's so much bigger so you, you know and I just feel like really at that moment and I always have done actually as a little kid I've always been very intuitive and um just like it makes me feel at peace and I could literally talk your head off all day and ask <laughs> you so many questions but what would you say to somebody that doesn't actually believe in all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, I think we're in such a revolutionary time. I'm so happy about this moment. Astrologically speaking, you know, our world is falling apart, but we're entering an age where people are willing to be open to subtler mm. messages, subtler energies. They're mm -hmm. willing to say, Hey, if there's a tool that has something to say about who I am and I can grow more confident and grow more generous through knowing who I am, then hallelujah, bring it on. So, you know, I used to do charts for the first, let's just say 15 years or 10 years of my career. It was a lot of artists and it was a lot of healers and it was mm. a lot of, you know, seekers. And that was beautiful. That's what I am, you know, but now it's lawyers, stockbrokers, you know, uh, doctors. I mean, I've, I've spoken to somebody from every profession. I kid you not, you know, so I'm so moved by that because people are actually open and willing and listening. So what I would say to the people that are a little more skeptical is like, what does it hurt to give it a try? Do you know, mm -hmm. like, just listen, because if you do an hour long session with me, we'll go back in your life and we'll look at certain moments of your life. And if you know that those if that starts to feel resonant, then you're going to look forward with a different kind of energy. You're going to be like, well, my gosh, that did happen November 1975. So maybe I'm willing to look a little ahead and 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 feel into what might happen, you know? And and it's just, it's 
I'm, it's not fortune telling. I'm not psychic. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen, but I'm going to talk to you about the energies that are available for you to work with. So why not say yes Mm. to the possibility of embracing, you know, a, a certain cycle of your life that could really support you, you know, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so I just say, come the skeptic and try it on and we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's so interesting, like that you mentioned stockbrokers and lawyers, you know, my family's all intuitives, like my, my, on my mom's side, but my dad is so not psychic. Like he's a stockbroker. Well, he was a stockbroker. Now he's a wealth manager, but he's learned to be spiritual along the way. And it's really interesting. And for me as an intuitive, because I do practice and I do read for people, when I found your work and I found you about, I want to say a year ago or a year and a half ago, I had an aha moment of of the connectivity between all the different spiritual arts. And for me, when I read, I don't do future prediction. I do soul purpose. And it's so Mary's um astrology, but I'm such a newbie. So you have been my guiding light because I just don't know anything about astrology, but I love how it links. I love that. I love that. I think it's so important that because I do have a lot of people that come to me and they say, well, I saw a psychic and she told me that I'm going to meet this person in two weeks. And part of me always like little, my heart sinks a little bit like, okay, but what how do you want to embrace what you can embrace and how you can move forward? I mean, there's certain things that we could look forward as somebody that's incredibly intuitive or incredibly psychic and prepare someone, encourage someone to meet something in a certain way. But when we start to say, well, this is what's going to happen, you know, then you remove free will. But it's so beautiful for you to, I love this marriage of the, the the sort of more psychic energy and the soul purpose, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think we have a responsibility in the spiritual community to give people things that will help them grow in life and not hinder them. I always start every reading with, there is so much more free will in this journey than we can ever know. So I'm never going to tell you what another person will decide surrounding you, but I can absolutely tell you energy and what you can do and what you're capable of, what you're meant for. And I feel so kindred to your work because you are pure light and you really, truly just focus on what we can do and what's what's possible for us. I am so excited for anyone I know or anyone who finds this podcast to find you. I know. Oh my God, that's such a gift. <laughs> and, so- I, and I know that like we've only just met, but you know, your energy actually just radiates through. Like we're on Zoom right now. To the <laughs> but, like, it so really nice. does. Honestly, I kind of wish I lived in LA because I would come around your house for <laughs> come visit. Come visit. <laughs> and what were some of the breakthrough spiritual moments for you that led you to where you are now? And uh, also, I want to chat about your Radiant Life retreats. Then, yeah, some of the breakthroughs. Um, I will say, I was I was just thinking about that this morning. Of course, knowing that I was going to come and talk to you guys. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was. Ju- this will connect with what something you just said, which is that, you know, when I met my husband twenty five years ago. He sat down, we sat down and he was from like an East Coast astrology. No, 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 no family, you know, (laughs) and um, and but I remember sitting with him and and knowing within moments, like knowing within a few days that that I think that we were going to walk this path together. And I remember saying to him, I don't need you to be 
believing in astrology. I want you to just be interested and willing to ask me questions and willing to have this conversation. And in an interesting way, that was a breakthrough moment for me to be able to say that I just need companions that are curious and that walk with me and support and love, you know, I don't need, um, I don't need you to do the same things that I'm doing, right? So in terms of my personal life, that was a huge breakthrough moment. Um, in terms of my professional life, I I moved to Boulder. Uh, somebody, in, my, my dear friend David Tresemer invited me to move to Boulder when I was in my mid-20s. And I was kind of lost at that moment. And he invited me to come and direct plays about the journeys of Hercules through the astrological signs. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But he had a whole community of amazing people, amazing, beautiful people that every month would, would do one of these journeys of Hercules, the Hercules labors as seen through each of the astrological signs. And he asked me to come and direct because that was my thing at the moment. I was directing, I was acting, I was, you know, he asked me to come and direct and teach and live in Boulder. And I fell in love with Boulder and I fell in love with the blend of teaching acting, you know, I mean like the spiritual life and this, and the artistic life met. So I said, Oh my God, it's possible. It's possible to weave these two together. Right. That was a huge breakthrough. And I'll say one more huge breakthrough, which was, I went to a workshop about seven years ago that was by a woman named Alexandra Franz. And, and she had us do a ton of writing. And that was when I was really starting to like, let my poetry come to the fore more. And I said, what if I called myself a poet with the map of the heavens in my pocket? Mm. So I decided to lead with the poetry and let the astrology um, sort of accompany me as it always had. But I decided to be a little more daring with the poetry. So that was another breakthrough moment because my artist self got to come forward and sort of be like, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like an alter ego like Beyonce has? Her alter ego. Do you have to go when you're performing? You're like, here we are. Here we go. <laughs> I wish I had more of an alter ego. <laughs> I try. I try. No, I mean, yes. I mean, there's a part of me that definitely that that does love to perform and loves everything that accompanies it. And but there's also a part of me that's just so like, just read your poems and be humble. And <laughs> tone it down girl you know I don't believe in toning it down honestly I think when you have you have such natural courage I mean maybe it doesn't feel natural to you I throughout life like I'm such a uh like I would consider myself a nosy person like I really love to know a lot about a person and I've found very few people in this world who when called to action can actually just jump in and go I trust and believe in myself and I think what you shared earlier about that moment where you're like, you will not be tired during this. You will be here for it. That's that courage that's so rare of, I have something to say that you definitely need to hear. And I don't think that there's anything not humble about that. I, th I think it in the right moments, in the right circumstances, it honors exactly who you are. Thank you. That is exactly, I'm, gl I'm glad you said it that way. And I totally believe that as well. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do. I, I mean, I feel like my work, my poetry work, my astrology work, my directing, my working with, with people in Radiant Circle, it's all about 
have the courage to be your radiant self. You are mm. magnificent. Don't don't step back, you know, and just fill the room with your light. And then, yes, step back and let someone else step forward. You know, you don't have to be there at the center all the time. Right. But, but <laughs> when, when it's your moment, step forward and just give generously of your heart, of your spirit, of your song, of your, you know, be who you are. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that so much. I want to talk to you now about the uh, your radiant life retreats and how that came about. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, I'm I'm a little Aries here, so I'm always like, well, I'm gonna, I want to do this. I want to start this, right? And so I had a teacher. Um, I would say I have a teacher named Sophia Diaz who just really changed my life many years ago, and just just through her radiance, just through her unstoppable love and indestructible understanding of beauty. Um, She just changed my life. And I went to a number of her retreats and I just looked around and I said, someday, someday I want to do this. And I knew that I wanted to do it through the lens of astrology and um, poetry, which was different because she's a yoga teacher and we killed ourselves doing yoga. But (laughs) (laughs) I always wished I were a better, you know, physical yoga practitioner than I, than I was, but um, But anyway, I decided at one point in 2009, I guess it was, that I wanted to do my first retreat. And it was so sweet because I I was working really hard to enroll people. And I was like doing everything in my power to, and I rented the space and I worked, I was just nervous, but also excited. And I think I had, I think I had five people at the first Radiant Life Retreat and, you know, I just loved them for showing up. There was one woman that said, I always have to be at the beginnings of things. And she said, and whenever I show up, you know, it's going to be good. Right. So she was like the sweetest, most beautiful woman. I love her. And then there, you know, and then there was a true blue, two true blue friends that just were like, of course we'll be there. You know, hundred percent. I think I lost money. I'm sure I lost money. Um, but I, but I, but I showed up and I was like, this is what I want to do. And, um, so now we have beautiful, thriving groups. Um, mostly I like to keep it around 20, 24, right in there. Um, I've invited men to a couple of them recently because it's time that we start doing that as well. Yeah. Um, and we go deep quickly and we work with our charts. We we get on our feet. We embody our charts. We, sh- we, we sing. We move. We dance. We have counseling. We eat gorgeous meals together. I mean, it's, we do a lot. <laughs> I love that. I love how you talk about the them five people that showed up. It kind of sounds like my first gig and mm-hmm. like three of them were my family. But oh. it, it's all about connection because then five people go away and they tell five more people. And then, you know, them 10 people tell another 10 and that's how it builds. So like, like amazing, amazing that you had the courage to do that. Like how, how did you feel after that? that first retreat. That first one. I just felt so grateful. And I felt, I felt like a seed had been planted and I was like, when are we doing the next one? Do you know? And, um, one of the beautiful things about the retreats are that my, my dear friend, Elizabeth, who was in graduate school with me, who's one of my oldest, dearest friends, uh, at the third retreat, I finally, we left the retreat center and I said, let's rent a house and and let's have you make the meals. And so she started to do all this amazing, like Scorpio, quiet, 
filling in the beauty and bounty of the retreats with magic and food and oh. art. And, you know, so we've been doing them together um, ever since. And she's incredible what she brings. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I mean, and it really does only take, you know, the first five. I remember one of my first gigs in Brooklyn, there were only two people showed up because it was like a rainstorm. And I turned, I turned to my band and I was like, we're playing this like we're at the Bowery Ballroom. Give it everything you have. I am not going to half-ass this. And it turned out that one of the guys that was there was like a big booking agent. And he is the reason I was able to do so many of my gigs. It, and I'm just so glad I stepped into it. And it's the same thing for you. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's five people or, you know, whoever it may be, like, that is the foundation of, I think it's Brene Brown's is like step into the arena. You know, I have to say I, I, my dad often gave talks when I was young and he said, he told the story once that he was going to give a talk. It was like for, it was a astrology talk in New York and he went and nobody showed up mm. and he gave the talk anyway. Amazing. <laughs> Which I just love because it's just an energetic thing where you're like, nobody's here. But I said I was going to give this talk and I'm going to give this talk and and it's going to make a difference. And I am and I'm betting on myself, as my friend Christine Aller would say, I'm betting on myself and I'm and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stand here for this hour. I just think mm. that, you know, we that's all, so we, powerful. Isn't it good? We just, that's so powerful that in the you because I always say, like, you have to be your own champion, especially in any creative industry. You really do. And like when you were talking, then it reminds me of that film. I can't. I think um, the baseball film, maybe come far away. I can't, they will come. They oh, will field come. Field of dreams. Field of dreams. Field of dreams. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's it. They will come. They will come. <laughs> like they will come if you they keep will. putting out that energy. I always say like persistence beats resistance every that's time. Cool. So like you have to step into the arena to like make noise. Otherwise, there's no point. So I love that. I love that so much. Oh, I love that quote. I want to talk about Wild Compassion because it's your newest book of poetry. And, you know, we're both songwriters, Twenty and I. And so I feel like um, writing has changed for me over the years, especially with experience. Was that the same for you with this with this book of poetry? Was it easier to write? Was the process different than when you first started writing? It, it was definitely different. And again, I'll say that it wasn't, I, I didn't set out to write the book. I set out to say, oh gosh, now it's been five years since I collected the first you know, collection. So really it's this process of writing where I would just show up to write. Mm. And I guess if anything, perhaps I got a little more willing to show all the, all the parts, you know, like a lot of that book is like, I'm a, you know, I'm a mess and I'm still writing. I'm a mess and I'm still showing up. I'm trying to be a new mom and I'm, you know, and it's not always working, whatever. Do you know what it is? So um, just permission to be our fragile selves and permission mm. to be the, the, to embody the less attractive parts of ourselves. Right. So I think I just gave myself permission to be a little more out there with all of that. Um, and, you know, you put it out there and then you you go back and read it and you're like, oh my God, what did I put out? <laughs> and my mom called me and she's like, I'm reading the book for the second time and I'm, 
are you okay? (laughs) You know, I'm like, mom, I'm totally fine. You know, as you write a piece, you actually liberate yourself, you free yourself, you name it and you can let it go, you know? Um, so not funny. She's so funny. Like she'll call me again and she'll be like, I just reread that poem. I'm just so, I don't know. Are you okay? (laughs) That's such a mother's heart. I remember one time my grandmother was like, because I, I, I write really sad songs. Now I can write happy songs with other people, but I write sad songs personally. And she turned to me one day and she was like, who hurt you this badly? And I was just like, I'm fine. It's totally cool. I just love a sad song. And it gets it out of me. And then I can be a happy person. It's true. Every, every piece I write, I mean, I will say 90% of the pieces I write, I start in the stuck place. And I write myself to freedom. Oh, I love that. That is so very apt for every kind of songwriter. Like, you know, you write about what you know, what you're going through. Every session I go into, everyone's like, so, and I've not met this person. So what's going on in your life? Let's talk about your, I'm like, I'm pretty bored about my life. Can we talk about somebody else's? (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about your podcast, The Radiance Project has such like super strong, deepful, insightful topics. Like what led you A, to that podcast? And B, like has it brought anything new into your life? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Today, as we're talking, I'm celebrating three years of having written moon notes every morning, right? So I've been writing these little notes that people read every morning mm-hmm. on Instagram and, you know, whatever. And then, yeah, you're so sweet. And then I'm also in, within a couple of weeks, I'm celebrating three years of the podcast. And that's so interesting because that was such a powerful moment for me when both of those things started. And they, um, I will say, and and this is always fascinating. When I started the podcast, I was really struggling with a particular health issue. And I had been dealing with it for some time. And I was like, I was really depleted at the time. I was, I was severely anemic among other things. So I was really exhausted. Right. And, um, and I remember being like, I am so tired and I am so depressed that I can't figure out how to solve this. And I was like, and I'm starting that damn podcast anyway. (laughs) I knew that I wanted to do it. Like I had been thinking about it for a while and I was like, I'm going to start it at the lowest point (laughs) to see if I can get myself up and out of this. So I remember doing the first, um, the first podcast with my friend Elizabeth. She was my first guest. And I remember thinking like, not feeling well, but feeling so uplifted and feeling so spiritually uplifted. And what I wanted to do was create a podcast where I could talk with the people that I loved about poetry, about astrology, about their lives. Mm. It's not exactly a niche. You know what I mean? Like it's not good for um, <laughs> like, this is an astrology podcast. And well, yes and no. <laughs> well, yes and no. You know, so I just did it purely for myself. Um, and for the first two years, I only interviewed people that I knew and loved. <clears throat> there was nobody else. I mean, like I just kept inviting the people that I cared deeply about. And we had these amazing hour long conversations. And so what I love about the podcast is I get to go deep with people immediately. I get to choose poems that I think reflect who they are. And I get to um, talk with them about the astrological moments of their lives. So I love it. And, um, you know, we have a really sweet community that has built around it. Are there any specific episodes that you felt like were really like a breakthrough moment for you? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I mean, 
I'm not, I, I used to I used to record in the studio with with Wyo Lee, and every time the guest would leave, we'd be like, "That was amazing! <laughs> <laughs> that was great!" Um, you know, I, I'm just for whatever reason right now. I'm thinking of a podcast that I did with the actor Rich Summer. And he's a friend, um, but he was more at that time a friend of a friend. And um, and he was, you know, sort of from Minnesota, kind of kind of wholesome, kind of skeptical about the astrology thing, you know, but willing to be there with me, which was so powerful. And he read poems in such a beautiful way. And he showed up with an open heart, even though as I was talking to him about astrology, there was a part of him that was like, ah, ah, red light, red light, red light. <laughs> But he was just generous and open. And I remember feeling like, yeah, look, he doesn't, again, we can have these gorgeous conversations and Mm. he can hold my point of view and I can hold his and we can still have an amazing time together, you know? So that was, that was a really beautiful one. Um, I mean, there's so many amazing stories that people have to tell. So at the end of every podcast, I ask for a radiant moment um, that, you know, that, that the person isn't experienced. And recently I did one with the poet Maya Stein and her radiant moment was when she was a kid, she was going to play the mayor of the Munchkin city, um, in Wizard of Oz, but she would not use the voice until opening night. She refused. And her, so I think it was her parents that cast her or something like that. So they never had to use it. And then she said on opening night, she was like, as mayor of the Munchkin city, you know, she just like, (laughs) into it and she was brilliant and everybody was just like Maya uh-huh. <laughs> I mean I just love these stories like stories like that I just think so that just cute. reminds me of my childhood we represent the lollipop <laughs> yeah. I wish the I audience could see us doing the uh the actual dancing no I, I think I want to ask you what when is your birthday I'm an Aries April 1st oh April. What about like, you when is your, what well, are I, was your gonna, I was gonna ask you if you can guess by our characteristics or not. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you were on the spot again. Um, I'm May 14th and I'm September 9th. Mm-hmm. Okay, Taurus and September 9th. So Virgo. Oh, beautiful. So you your earthy combo. Um, so yeah, I mean, look. I'm going to tell you about the highest energies of both of those signs. Is that okay? Yeah, we so love Ta- that. Taurus is all about the embodiment of beauty and manifesting the beautiful and manifesting the light and uh, and and enlightenment. So it really has to do with evolving our idea of what is beautiful. And it Taurus rules the throat. Taurus rules the voice. Taurus rules the whole creative center, right? So it's so often Taurian people have a strong, beautiful, be, the beautiful comes through the voice, right? Mm. So, and Venus is your ruling planet, which one of your ruling planets, which is the, the sign of, of what you value, the creativity, beauty. Virgo is the priestess. She is the priestess at the highest level who shows up with total devotion to the work that she does with Mm. meticulous care, with meticulous detail, with humility, with kindness, with wanting to be of service. But, But she does all of this so that she can connect with the greatest energy, the greatest love, the greatest intuition. So you, the work you do is so beautifully Virgo because you pay attention 
and you open yourself to listening to what wants to come through. And then you want to help your clients with practical steps that they can take. Yeah. So, and then Taurus and Virgo go so beautifully together because they're both earth and they love that. Like, let's make something real. Yeah. Let's build something beautiful. Let's refine it. Let's improve it. Let's perfect it. (laughs) It makes so much sense. Best friends. I I kind of, you know, like when I get introduced to a new person, they go like, what you like, I'm just going to play a snippet of what you said. (laughs) And they just want to have to find out that I'm so stubborn afterwards. You know, what's so funny though, is that 20 and I met because uh, we were set up on a writing session and we wrote, I think, two or three songs that first day. It just, it was like, bam, bam, bam. It just, we worked together so well from the very beginning. It was crazy. I've never had that happen ever. It It's amazing to to hear our astrological highness, like our highest astrological selves, because it's so, it is so true. We do work so easily and well together. Have you ever been there? Do you, do you know kind of like from someone's birthday who you're not going to kind of gel with? No, 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 no. Because, and this is the beautiful thing about the astrology that I practice. It's really an astro, you know, soul centered astrology is astrology that is about evolving love and consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it's never about like my personality doesn't match your personality. Yeah. Even if, even if signs are horribly, uh, you know, like there's like friction in them, like you could say Aries and Virgo sometimes don't get along, but when, but when they're at the highest levels, they are the best thing in the world for each other. Mm. So you, you never can judge a person by their sign. You also have to find out like, what level are they at? Are they, are they wanting to use the energies for the good? Are they wanting to use the energies generously, you know, or are they wanting to use them in a self-serving way? Right. Um, but always there are ways to connect people. Always there are ways for people to feel on rapport with each other. Also, like my both my brothers are Aries and their birthdays are only a few days apart. So I just grew up with a lot of Aries energy. And they're so different from each other, but they come their their similarities are are in their highest selves of like they are both when they want to do something, they believe in it wholeheartedly and jump right in. And they love they love like that too. I remember never understanding why I wasn't so naturally close to them as they were to each other. And it's because I have to think through things before I just dive. And they're just like, come on, catch up. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. A Virgo needs to really analyze and take it apart and discern, you know. Yeah. But I do want to say, both of you, I would love for you to know your rising signs because that is the sign that you're cultivating and calling in and really um you know, wanting to live more fully into, you know, and I would bet Ariel that you have more water in your chart. And I would bet 20 that you have some fire there, you know, like I would bet. <laughs> I element. bet mine's Scorpio or something like that. <laughs> Guaranteed. But, you know, it's, yeah. It's interesting to, to it, it, I always ask my clients to act as if, you know, they are their rising sign. Actually, I like them to embody their rising sign that fully. I'm just, I'm, honored to have this time with you. I'm also excited to be able to invest in your gift and like actually honor your gift and be able to experience it in its fullness. It's going to be really special when we get to do that. Yes, I love, I do. I love to work with people one-on-one and, and late in the last three years, I've been doing 
what I call snapshots. So I've been recording audios for people, like thousands of people. So I talk to myself a lot. I'm like five in the morning. Hi, Ariel. <laughs> moon and da, 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 you know, but anyway, I do still, in, I enjoy making these um, because I get these glimpses of people's lives because they tell me a little bit about what they do, what their work is. And then I see how it shows up in the chart again and again and again and again. And then when I get to do the hour long sessions, that of course is, that you can go really deep, really fast in, an, in a session like that. And they, yeah. and they can re, it can reverberate for years, you know? If you could go back and relive, not redo or change anything, just relive and experience it again. If you can go back and relive one of your breakthrough moments, which would it be? Well, I had, I had first a flash of the, um, my book launch for the, for the, um, first book, because it was such a marriage of community and love and generosity and celebration of, of creativity. But I just want to say that then I flashed on sitting with my dad, looking out over the ocean on my 30th birthday, writing in my journal, uh, on the last page of my journal. And being so grateful that my dad was my dad and being so grateful that, um, that I was at a moment where I was really starting to feel like I was finding deeply what I was meant to do in the world. And, uh, to me, that felt like a breakthrough moment to be in such a celebration of like, um, honoring my lineage and feeling my own footing as I was moving forward. That is so beautiful. I love that. Actually made me a little bit emotional. I was just like choked. <laughs> You're really good at making people emotional, moving people. I have to say, like, honestly, you have been such an incredible guest. And and for me, I always go on about energy to Ariel and like what frequency everyone's operating. And it, I, like I say, I'm not joking when I say it, it just radiates off you the love and the light and. Uh, yeah, we we just need to be friends. I feel like people like you yeah. are a fine example of like how you can walk in a room and change the energy and change how people feel. Like you're one of the great teachers of this world, and there just there should be just so many much more people in this world like you. And it's just been a privilege, honestly, to chat to you. So thank you so much for your time. I truly mean that. And um, I wanted to end the podcast with asking you this one question. What do you want your next breakthrough moment to be? I want my next breakthrough moment to be a deeply internal experience Mm -hmm. of recognizing that I don't have to effort any longer and that I can tend to my own well-being and deep femininity as I also grow like a queen in the world. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Amen. That's amazing. And can I just say, this was like one of my favorite interviews ever. So thank you both. Ah. You're really amazing. Ah, You're amazing so together. And you ask such thoughtful questions. And I felt like kindred spirits and just oh. really celebrate this hour with you. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. When well, we love celebrating you. Thank you so much oh. for being such an amazing guest. Honestly. Until we meet again, right? Yes, yes until we meet again. And this was such a gift. I'm just excited for everyone that it reaches to hear it. We'd like to thank all our new listeners for joining us. Yeah, I mean, thanks mom so much for tuning in. <laughs> 
I'm my mum. Hi, mum. We we we're now up to two listeners. Great, <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> okay, to keep up with Heidi and receive her daily moon notes, you can follow her on Instagram at Heidi Rose Robbins. That's H E I D I R O S E R O B B I N S. And if you're into behind the scenes footage or teasers for future episodes, give us a follow on Instagram at breaking through underscore the podcast and breaking through podcast on TikTok. We really hope each episode inspires you to celebrate yourself a little bit more. And we will see you next week on breaking through the podcast.